Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Watch This Immediately, the podcast that revels in shaming the ignorance of its two hosts. Me, I'm one of those hosts. My name is Stephen Krauss, but who's that other guy? Manier here. Yep, he's down at the other end of the bar, licking the martini glass seductively and doing, just say, dirty things with the stem of the glass. All day, every day. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it all for you. Today, we talk about a milestone in cinema history, and that is... Goldfinger. Yeah. The James Bond movie, um, 1964, directed by Guy Hamilton, starring Sean Connery, Gert Furby, and <laughs> Honor Blackman. Now, you were not familiar with this movie. I was not. You were not familiar with James Bond at all, except for... Uh, Skyfall. Yeah, you and I saw Skyfall with another friend of ours. And, and uh, the Goldeneye video game. Of course. Yeah. And it... That was a Skyfall was a strange experience because I remember neither of you had seen any other James Bond movies. We had not. Well, so I I um I remember watching part of one movie, um, and I, I believe it might have been Goldfinger. I'm not sure. I don't think it was. I just remember there was a scene on a beach, and. I was like, yeah, it's not really for me. That could be one of many. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, you know, watching this was my first um, foray into early James Bond. Yeah. But, you know, like, I've I've had a lot of exposure, like, tangentially to James Bond. James Bond has permeated Western culture to the point where it's probably impossible to see a James James Bond movie and not think to yourself, I've seen this before. Oh, yeah. Well, and and like, for example, um, I think it was The World is Not Enough where Denise Richards is Christmas Jones. Yes. (laughs) Me and the guys used to like, you know, kind of laugh about that every every day when that movie first came out because we're like... Because yeah, and, and we would basically you know call our friend Christmas Jones because he was, we're like, okay, Christmas Jones, because <laughs> you know he, he was he was kind of incompetent but wanted to sound like he knew what he was talking about, which is Denise Richards' whole vibe. That is true. That's that's her thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this of course features super spy James Bond. This is the third James Bond movie. His first appearance, the character in a filmed representation, was in Casino Royale in 1953. Um, that was a um, an episode of the television drama anthology Climax. Huh. It was an hour-long anthology series, and this particular episode starred actor Barry Nelson as Jimmy Bond because he was an American secret agent. <laughs> Jimmy Bond. And American act, Americans wow. at the time in 1953 were not going to accept a British secret agent. I've got things to say about the American influence here, but please go on. Um, it also starred Peter Lorre as Le Chief. Hmm. Um, the first filmed like long-form film version was, of course, Dr. No from 1962 starring Sean Connery. And uh, so we get to Goldfinger. Goldfinger is the movie that people just kind of point to as this is the one that, if nothing else, it sets the standard mm-hmm. for the series. So you have like the pre-credit sequence. It doesn't really have much to do with the rest of the movie. Um, you have the 
the sweet gear, the cool theme, mm-hmm. um, the great car, the girl who has sex with the Bond early on and then dies, because uh, that's very much a theme going forward. It's got the cool henchmen. It has all the stuff that people kind of associate with Bond films going up through at least the Pierce Brosnan era. And there's still, of course, things that that followed through to the Daniel Craig era. But this pretty much set well, the tone for how the movies played out. But there was like a period of time when there were no Bond movies being made, right? Correct. After the last Timothy Dalton movie, Licensed to Kill, in 1989, there was not another one until 96 with GoldenEye. Gotcha. The Bond movies have been caught up in legal wrangling forever. Hmm. So okay. every time they think they've got it taken care of and all sewn up, something new happens and everything goes wrong. Well, and, and you know, I was, I was thinking about this, and I get the appeal of this for guys. It's got sex, it's got travel, it's got gadgets. It is essentially white male wish fulfillment. Yes. For the most part. It's, it's catnip for dudes. The women, are, the, the women are unable to resist Bond's charms. And so any woman who is around, she will have sex with him. And let's just be honest. James Bond is, he's more suave later. In this one, Sean Connery was, I didn't feel like he was really that suave. I mean, he was just Sean Connery. He looked great. And that's why, like, it was more a function of his looks than than him, like, uh, saying anything to these ladies. There have been a lot of think pieces about how the story of Goldfinger is how incompetent Bond is. Yeah. Yeah, because Bond basically makes the wrong decision at every possible turn. Yes, he does. And so that the, the I think the two most popular think pieces think piece subjects among writers on the internet are Indiana Jones and how Indy is inconsequential to Raiders of the Lost Ark and Goldfinger and how Bond is incompetent throughout the entire movie. He really is. He keeps getting caught. He's and too much of a horn dog. Yeah. He's too much of a shitster. Yeah. And it does him wrong. He could have solved all the problems of the movie in the first 30 minutes if he had just obeyed his training. Yo. So, yeah, like the whole thing where he's at the hotel in Miami <laughs> and he just goes up to uh, Jill Masterson and, and like then just tells Goldfinger, hey, you better lose $50,000 quick. That was, come on. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's colonialism, man. Yeah. You get yourself involved where you do not belong. Because who's anyone to tell you that you don't belong here? Yeah. Well, and I, I would say that uh, to, to begin here, in that initial sequence, um, you know, Bond is in some foreign locale. And he goes in, you know, he's he does some, some daring do. And then he goes into like a nightclub where this lady is dancing. I believe it was in Spain or some some kind of Spanish territory. All of these pre-credit sequences, especially, take place in some unnamed country. Yeah. Well, and, and then you know, at the end of of the sequence, right before the theme, he uh, he throws like a toaster or something into the water, mm-hmm. and he goes positively shocking. That's another thing that this yeah movie brings to the fore is the zinger yeah and and the theme man like i gotta talk about the theme because i've listened to the theme many times i love shirley bassey the i love this theme is an unqualified banger oh it's the best there is no better james bond theme than goldfinger we in fact had a uh, exchange about the theme like probably about 10 years ago i don't remember this well no of course you don't because it had no it had no bearing on your life, but it changed mine immeasurably. 
Go on. So I was like, I was asking you, I was like, yo, so, you know, does, uh, does Goldfinger just care about gold? Or I'm like, maybe he's into other precious metals too. And you were like, no, he's only into gold. I was, and I was like, are you sure? He's like, and then you were like, did I stutter? I said, okay, this is serious. The theme song makes it very clear. He loves only gold. Three things about Goldfinger. He loves only gold. Only gold. He loves gold. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> if you don't get it, that's not on me, and it's damn sure not on Shirley Bassey. <laughs> so if you got a problem with that, if any of you fuckers out there have a problem with that, can't help you. Ridiculous. Oh, so, um... So yeah, I mean the theme, as we said, is fantastic. And uh, there was a guy um, on, on the on the crew, or like a producer named Albert Broccoli. I really like that. He is the executive producer of the the series up until. Is it a real dude? Yeah. Word. Yeah, his name's Cubby Broccoli, and he was the executive producer from this film all the way up until maybe Goldeneye. Huh. He yeah he. Shepherded the series for most of its run. Hmm. Okay. At least in, in number of films. I mean, he's been dead a long time, but. Okay. Well, so, you know, then after this opening sequence, Bond has decamped to Miami, and this is where he meets one Goldfinger. Um, now, the way we are introduced to Goldfinger is he is playing gin against this American dude. For $5 a hand. Now, you know me. I do my financial research. <laughs> what did you find out? That is the equivalent of $45.63 in purchasing power today. Nice. And then, you know, we talk about, like, Goldfinger. He's got 20 million pounds worth of gold, right? Mm-hmm. That's 358.6 million pounds in today's money, which is $477.8 million. I'll bring up the one bit of monetary research I did, which is the gold bar that James Bond uses from the Nazi horde was worth, it would be worth $142,511 wow. in 2022. Interesting. One Nazi gold bar. Damn. And would actually probably be worth more as a collector's item. Correct, correct. Yes, you're right. So you're probably looking at quarter million dollars easy. Well, I mean, hell. Just the other day, uh, I heard there was this $20 bill that had a Del Monte, like, sticker um, put, in, put, put into, like, the press or whatever. <laughs> this $20 bill sold for 396000 bucks. What? Yeah, man. That's just ridiculous. That's a printing error. Yeah. It's numismatics, you know. That's how it is. <laughs> that's, that's dumb. I can't, <laughs> can't abide that. Now, Bond gets out, knocked out in here. He does. Broad daylight. It is dark when he wakes up. Yes. How many hours is Bond unconscious? Because that's very bad for you. I know, I know. Like, uh, God, it's got to... Okay, well, so, okay. Here's the thing. At this point, you know, he's, he's romanced and bedded Jill Masterson. Yes. And, yeah, like, as you said, he goes to get the champagne. He wakes up. I would imagine to get her... To get the gold paint on her... Mm-hmm. So that her skin would suffocate, which not, not was a, thing. a weird thing. <laughs> not a thing. Yeah. So apparently, according to James Bond, in James Bond, you universe. leave a little bit of skin unpainted by the spine, 
and that will allow enough breathing, quote unquote. Happy 1964, everybody. Yeah. Because um, where'd they say? Oh, yeah. They were saying that this is a common injury or a common cause of death amongst cabaret dancers. That just makes it sound like the author had a thing against cabaret dancers. Yes. <laughs> or the author accidentally killed the cabaret dancer and he is trying to justify it somehow. But no, I was going somewhere with this. So, right, go ahead. So, James Bond, to get her, to get her painted up and for the paint to dry... I'm conservatively estimating five hours. So an incredible amount of brain damage has, inc- has been incurred by James Bond. Oh, it has to be. Oh, either, very early on in the movie. Either that or, you know, they had that tranquilizer gun that they have later, and they just, like, shot him with a couple of darts. I think they just hit him so hard that he is a complete blithering idiot for the remainder of the movie. Well, yeah, he's he doesn't make great decisions, as, no. as we've established. Because he is concussed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not okay. I can see that. He's, it's a cry for help. This entire movie is a cry for he's help. He's got he's got CTE at this point. Yeah, <laughs> That's he, he thinks he's acting perfectly fine. Yeah, exactly. He has about seven percent of his brain function. But he's basically getting like captured at every turn. You know, he almost gets his his junk lasered off before he says something to Goldfinger that doesn't really even make that much sense, but is compelling enough that Goldfinger says, "Okay, stop." Like, okay, but yeah, that I don't makes get it. no sense because Bond is like, well, if I don't report, then they're going to send another guy out. And yeah. I'm like, okay. That's cool. Yeah. He's, he's like, going to know less than you do. He's like, do you want to risk it? And Goldfinger's like, hmm, you know, maybe I don't want to risk it. I would, ras- I would rather risk killing the guy yeah. than keeping him around. <laughs> That's exactly. like a safer option. Look, in, in elementary school, we were all like we all played the telephone game at least once. Mm-hmm. And you saw the degradation of information between just like four kids. Now, Bond at this point is intellectually a child. Yes. And so whatever he has told these other people, if Goldfinger had any brains, he would be like, okay, look, he goes out for like five hours. My henchman like just really, really gave him a good skull cracking. Then they had to paint the lady and leave. And during this entire time, he did not wake up. So I think I'm in the clear. I'm just going to get rid of this guy. Yeah, because the only thing he sent in his message to Felix was probably like, I like soup, furniture crispy. Yeah. <laughs> he just, he, he just like, uh, took a picture of calculated and said boobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is not beyond what James Bond would do. James Bond is not above that. No, not at all. <laughs> But okay, so you know we we end up then going from Miami to Europe um, because you know Bond goes back to London and his boss is basically like, hey, you know what what's the deal, man? Like, how did this happen to you? And are you okay? I'm yeah. gonna shine a light in your eye and see if your pupils dilate. Yeah, and Bond is like, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Give me another drink. Yeah, and and so here's the thing that I was like just baffled by, Money Penny who apparently works for MI5, British Intelligence, is an American. Um, Canadian, technically. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know. Okay, very well. No, the, the actress was Canadian, and I think she moved to Britain. Gotcha. So oh, well, okay. Canadian national, but... No, that's legit, though. Her accent got thicker over the movies. She was a subject of the Queen, so that's that's fine. That makes sense now. Okay. But, like, on the, on the uh, uh, golf course, where Goldfinger and... And uh, James Bond, they play that uh, round of 18 holes for the Nazi gold. Yeah. The caddy is American. 
Yes. I mean, that didn't make sense to me. I'm like, you're in like Switzerland, I think, right? I think or was so. he at, was he in Switzerland at this point, or was he still? In, no, no, he was still in the UK when he did the when he had the golf game because they left after that. It might have been lost to time. That might have been like a famous golfer at the time. I guess that but they were just doing for maybe, but yeah, like that was just weird because I'm like, there have to be British caddies at the, at the very least, Scottish caddies. Yeah, but at the same time, there would have been American caddies too. In Britain? American people can be found in Britain. There mm. are transplants. Money Penny mm. was a transplant. Well, yeah, she was Canadian, though. And this guy might have been Canadian as well. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe he was Canadian. I don't know. Okay, fine. It was weird. Fine. It was definitely weird. I'm just saying it was possible. Yes. Realistically, it could have happened. And so th- then, you know, we see <clears throat> we're introduced to all the different gadgets that Bond is given by... by is, he, is he Q at this point? Yes. Okay. The character name is technically Major Boothroyd, but he's only ever referred to as Q after, gotcha. I think, the first movie. Okay, well, who is M? They said M. M is the spy master. He's oh, the, the head guy. Okay, So got the, it. the meeting with the guy who gives them the Nazi gold. Mm-hmm. Um, That's M. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, so he gets, he gets the spy hunter car. And we were discussing this. But yeah, like this car, straight up spot hunter. Yeah. Had the oil slick, has, you know, the ability to, to have a smoke screen, has machine guns, spy hunter. Yeah. And all of this, all the stuff that we see in this, this establishes what spy movies were about in the 1960s and 70s. Um, there were all sorts of knockoffs that you and I probably haven't really seen many of them because they just kind of faded over time. There was like. Oh, what was the movie? In Like Flint or Our Man, Our Man Flynn, mm-hmm. Our Man Flint, something like that mm-hmm. with James Coburn. Um, and there were some other things because this became so big so fast mm-hmm. um, from, Rush, from Russia with Love, Goldfinger and Thunderball essentially exploded so quickly that everything was spies after that. Um, but um, Spy Hunter kind of plays off that whole thing of this this movie set what a spy car is right and a lot of the gadgets that these people tend to have that doesn't so much come from the novel but it comes from this movie yeah they even had the proto google maps in the car yep because yeah that that map was changing as they were changing countries yeah it was unthinkable at the time yeah but that's i mean that's what bond movies have become about I mean, it was it's just like what's what do we want to see in the next fifteen years? It was unthinkable until twenty fifteen. My car does not have that navigation. In it. So sad. <laughs> so very sad. Um, yeah, but you mentioned Spy Hunter. Spy Hunter. I'm pretty sure was intended to be a James Bond game, mm-hmm. but they couldn't get the license for it. Yeah, I mean it's it's very obvious that that this was the direct inspiration for Spy Hunter. Absolutely, you are correct. So you know he he uh, so James Bond in his horn dogging ways he gets to Switzerland, the Google map has has updated itself to now say Geneva instead of London, and you know he's he's got that little probe that he put into um, Goldfinger's car, at at the golf course, mm-hmm. and so yeah that thing's beeping and whatnot, and he he comes across a woman named Tilly Soames, who he courts in a very weird and mysterious way. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. So, like, she's on a mountain road, 
And he then like looks at her and he's like, oh my God, she's so hot. <laughs> so he starts trying to block her from going, going forward. And then finally is like, okay, fine, go. But this is only so that he can engage his side like tire cutters to blow out her tire, by the way, on a mountain highway. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so he can basically be like, hey, let's, uh, let's hang out. How my parents met. That was... It was called car flirting. It was a thing back in the 60s. That was wild. That was wild. That was, how, that was good old-fashioned flirting. <laughs> okay. That's how Kendrick and Juanita Krauss met. They started on their journey together. <laughs> yes. Kendrick and Juanita Krauss. My dad blew out my mom's tire <laughs> and said, Say, girl. Actually, it was probably like, at the time, I said, Say, you look like a great old gal. Yes. <laughs> I'd like to get a phosphate with me down at the drive-thru. I mean, you know, he was he was the he was in training. He was in res- residency as the Hell's Angels personal doctor. Mm-hmm. So you know, he he just had like he didn't have the full leathers. No. He, he had the leather vest. Yeah, that was it. No pants. No, no. it was a hazy. Not name. not not at this time. Yeah, no, just a leather vest and a jockstrap. That's right. That's right. And you know, she saw past that. She was like, "I'm going to look past this distressing appearance <laughs> to the man within." The man child within. <laughs> yeah, we, we, you know, so then we find out Tilly is um, Jill's sister. So Jill being the woman who was murdered by skin suffocation in Miami. Not a thing. <laughs> and, That's uh, the first thing she should have said is not a thing. Yeah, well, and, and you know, the, the way that we're, it was kind of foreshadowed was she has an attache case with the, uh, um, Initials TM. And James Bond is like, wait a second. Utility Masterson. The CT has affected everything except for the synapses that make that jump. Correct. Correct. And she goes, yes, she was my sister. I have to kill him. And, and you know, that's part of their weird flirting where he's like, why'd you try to shoot me then? And she's like, I was trying to shoot him. And he's like, you're not a very good shot, are you? And this is one of the times where James Bond could say something that he should have said many times in this in the entire series, which is, I was the last person to bone your friend. Or yeah. I was the last person to bone your sister. Yeah, yeah. Should be a thing in every movie. I mean, I don't know how effective it would have been as, like, a way to calm her while, after she had just tried to kill him, but... You never know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. so you got to be a 10%er. That's true. 90% That's true. of the time it's not going to work, but that 10% is magic and it keeps you going. Yeah. And with Bond, just the way... Just his baffling behavior, this would probably work out in his favor. Sean Connery can put things over. That's oh, all I'm saying. Yeah. Sean Connery could have said many things that would get you or I arrested. I mean, I feel like I get why Sean Connery was still on the uh, best best looking dudes lists into like the 1990s. Well, it should be noted that every look in this movie is a goddamn classic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every single thing that Sean Connery is wearing, you could walk out today. Yo. In any of those outfits, and they still look I, classic. I am also going to say the Goldfinger wardrobe underrated. He had some pretty sweet. Uh, he had some pretty sweet haberdashery in this in this movie. He had their billionaire clothes. Yes, you need to be a billionaire to style them. Exactly. However, if you are a portly billionaire, <laughs> the gold. Yo, when you get to Kentucky, the gold checked hat. That is the golf cool. hat. That was wonderful. That is pretty cool. So, uh, so yeah, like... You got some coin. You got a new job. You should go out and get a, a Goldfinger suit. 
Yeah, I should. You're right. Now, see, I was thinking I would get like a Sean Connery, like the the suit that he's wearing. Oh no, no, I have one of that. I already have that. Though. Yeah, but you need like one specifically styled to look like Sean Connery's suit yeah. and Goldfinger. Okay. But you also need a Goldfinger suit. I do, I do. I and, and you know I need the hat too. And that's that's like, gonna have to be a bespoke hat because that's not a look anymore. No. When you get the suit made, you would have to get that. Yes. Say, I also need a hat. Yeah. But that's, I mean, you're set for the Kentucky Derby. It's got to be gold with black checks. That's it. And when you guys go to, you should go to all the Triple Crown races. Yeah, I should. <laughs> be like, my dear, I have gotten this suit. We are now required to go to all of the Triple Crown. I'll be, I'll be like Wes Welker just tripping on Molly at the Kentucky Derby. You should be. <laughs> Now your wife will need a different church crown for every race. Yeah. Now I, I can make that happen. I can make that happen. This needs to happen now. So yeah, so James Bond, you know, he's got his he's got a sweet ride. You know, the Google Maps tell him where to go. And uh, he he ends up at this place where he goes to a checkpoint and all of all of Goldfinger's henchmen are Asians. Yes. It, well, including odd job and Quick sidebar: In Goldeneye, I would always be Odd Job because he had the sweetest. Like, he, he you were the he was asshole the best. who always chose Odd Job because yeah. he had a short one, right? Yeah, dick. Everyone hated you. Odd Job with the RPGs, dog. That was it. Everyone hated you. That was it. Everyone hated you. <laughs> but yeah, there's this there's this grandmother who comes out with a freaking Uzi and just like starts unloading on the James Bond car, and I'm like. <laughs> Well, and, and and from the looks of it, there were several bullets that went through the front windshield, and yet Bond is like unscathed. So I'm not sure. Maybe this lady's blind or whatever. But yeah, James Bond is impervious to bullets. Yes, um, people who are shooting at Bond have worse aim than Imperial stormtroopers in Star oh, Wars, for sure. So they, it's just. Billions upon billions of bullets are expended shooting at James Bond. It's yeah. not even kind of close. Well, so, you know, at this point, he's captured, and and he's uh, he's spirited away into an aircraft. Mm-hmm. And this is where we meet the main femme fatale of the movie. Please. <laughs> well, I have I to be gonna, the first one who says it. I ain't going to say it. You already said it. No, I didn't. Haven't you? No, no. Well, my name's Pussy Galore. Yeah. In the grand tradition of other... James Bond heroines such as Mary Goodnight and Holly Goodhead. Wait, what? There is a Holly Goodhead. Wow. Moonraker. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so this isn't even the worst. Okay. All right, very good. Gotta wait for 1979 for that one. It's a different time. Mm -hmm. It was a very different time. There was a gas crisis on. We needed to laugh. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, that'll that'll do it. Let's name this character Holly Goodhead. But yeah, so 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 Miss Galore is Goldfinger's private pilot, and yeah, Goldfinger's got a weird Asian fetish because the stewardess on the plane is also Asian. I think it is mentioned at some point in the movie that the guy who builds his nuclear device is a former um, communist China nuclear scientist. Oh, got it. Okay, and so there might be. It's probably something that's covered in the novel ah. that is alluded to, but not explained here. Gotcha. Because the, the 
the movies tend to go a lot of through a lot of changes. Yeah. And so there might be some sort of explanation for that, but I have a feeling it has something to do with the fact that this guy comes over from communist China. And it's like, hey man, I've got like fifteen cut. Co- I've got like twenty cousins. They yeah. need jobs, mm-hmm. and you're a billionaire. And it's at this point we find out um, after Uzi Granny tries to out, tries to take out gold or Goldfinger, sorry, uh, Bond. Yes. That um, the way Goldfinger is smuggling his gold is that he builds the body of his car out of gold. That doesn't seem practical to me. No, not at all. <laughs> it seems like gold is a very soft metal to be doing. And then that. he takes, he says he takes six trips a year in the car to smug, smuggle. So each car is like two tons worth of gold. So he's smuggling 12 tons of gold a year by basically building a Rolls Royce at each, each turn. I'm sure it seemed practical when yeah. the movie and possibly the book were written. Yeah. It, I don't know. I, I mean, gold Ian, is much more scarce now, I guess. Ian Fleming didn't seem like the type of guy to do any research. No. no. I, I feel like he was probably... He, he probably researched the mint julep the most. Probably so. <laughs> it's like that old Simpsons thing where the, like, the one guy did all of the stuff in the cartoon and it's like ethnographer... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Like, Ian Fleming probably did all of that and didn't do it very well. Because, again, these books were about male wish fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. It was... uh, And, you know, they were kind of travelogues, too. It's like he's writing about cool places that you want to go and visit. Exactly. So I don't really think he put a whole lot of thought into how he's getting this gold line. He he did not. He probably just thought, oh, I bet you could do that. And he asked somebody that he knew, like, you think you could do that? Yeah, I bet you could do that. Research done. <laughs> he's like, I'm, we'd argue this book has sold millions of copies. He's like, it is now time to, for me to retire to my club. Yep, and have a have a bit of high tea and dream up some more plots for my novels. Mm-hmm. It worked for him. Hey, I'm not again, saying the book has sold millions upon millions of copies. The movie is my dad still a had classic. one when he was a kid. Nice. I bought a copy of it. Nice. I never read it, but I bought a copy of it once. But yeah, so so you know he is so James Bond is on the plane on the way to Kentucky mm-hmm. because um, as we find out, so Goldfinger has like a mafia convention in Kentucky. <laughs> yes, with the most stereotypical stereotypically Italian guys there. Yep. And uh, he murders one of them for asking for the gold up front. Because Goldfinger's whole thing at the beginning is, would you rather have one million in gold or ten million? And one guy's like, I'm I'm just going to take my cash in hand now. Thanks. Yeah, and you soft pedal a little bit. He's crushed to death in a car. Yes. Horrible, horrible death. Yeah, and then odd job. Drives an El Camino over to, like, take the car back. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible things happen in this movie. Yeah. That we just look upon. I cannot believe that people watched this movie in 1963 or 64. We are led to believe 15 minutes before the end of this movie that hundreds 
if not thousands of soldiers are killed. Yeah. And it ain't no thing. They all just no. lay down. And we are led to believe because of dialogue earlier in the movie yeah. that they are fucking dead. Exactly. Because it was said that Delta 9, the gas. So here's Goldfinger's plan. And we don't find out the full plan until later because Bond actually figures out the the end goal of the plan. Because, again, his brain is so addled that somehow he's able to make these weird logic jumps but yes. not do anything intelligent. Correct. And so so, Gold, so Goldfinger is like, yeah, look, um, we're going to go rob Fort Knox. And, you know, I'm going to do it tomorrow morning. So, Mafia guys, yeah, I know I owe you each, like, a million in bullion. But I'll give you, like, ten if you wait until the morning time. And, uh, and you know, so they... Do this. Pussy Galore's uh, flying circus. Beating Monty, to the, Monty Python to the punch by five years into that. Yeah. <laughs> they, they spray the area around Fort Knox with this Delta 9 gas, which, as you have said, we are led to believe that all the soldiers are dead. Because we see all the mob guys get killed with this. Uh, yeah, yes. Everyone dies a horrible death. Yes, they, they do. They do. Okay, and so hold on a minute now. Goldfinger is in Kentucky. These guys are from New York. Yes. They have planes. And so, like, that night when, you know, Louis Gambino is not back in New York having, you know, Mastacholi with his old lady, isn't she going to call somebody and be like, hey, what happened to Louis? It's possible, but every story doesn't have to relate to every other story. I guess so. Okay. I would just I would just think that there would be another cavalcade of angry Italians coming that morning. It is possible. Because their also, bosses are all gone. This this was an age I mean you said they all have planes. This was an age when air travel was still something that was Oh yeah. You know, these these guys probably were flying commercial. It was seen so as so luxurious. Yeah. Because yeah, even Bond's thing like you know, they had a fully, like, properly appointed bathroom, given it was a private plane. Mm-hmm. But I, I have to believe that this bathroom was nicer than the private plane bathrooms now. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It but, was not like taking a shit in an upright coffin. Exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, Bond, he had room to, like, you know, just get his suit, like, hung up. You know, get, give himself a close shave. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, we're in Kentucky, and then Goldfinger somehow figures out, because he says to, he said, or sorry, uh, Bond, sorry, I'm not Goldfinger, Bond says to Goldfinger, look, you know, how are you going to get 200 tons of gold out before the military gets there? And then, to your point, suddenly he starts making all these logic jumps, and he figures out that it is not, in fact, Goldfinger's plan to steal the gold out of Fort Knox. It is actually to detonate an atomic device in Fort Knox that would render the gold within radioactive for 58 years. This might be the first time that the term dirty bomb was used in popular culture. Yes, exactly. Because Goldfinger does say it was a dirty bomb. And yeah, I mean, so... It's kind of it's it's kind of it's, it's kind a of genius, genius plan. It is yeah. pretty genius because I mean, it's yeah, the kind of plot twist that you wouldn't normally get, especially in the sixties. Because in the sixties, they would just right. pull off a heist. Yeah, and so the, that is a pretty genius twist. And I mean, I, I get it. So you know, Goldfinger, he's been smuggling what twelve tons of gold a year. Let's say Fort Knox has two hundred tons. He's been at this for fifteen years. He said, 
And so that's that's more than two hundred. He's got more than he's got more gold than Fort Knox, apparently, hmm. is what what I'm saying. And so yeah, like if he was to inca- incapacitate Fort Knox, Goldfinger estimates, yeah, my gold's going to be worth ten times more. That's how I was able to you know arrive at that figure for the mafia guys before I killed them. And so yeah, like you know we. We then find out that the soldiers are not, in fact, dead. They were just pretending to be dead. And at this point, Goldfinger has a U.S. Army uniform, I guess. And he blends into the scenery, even though he's a heavy German accent. (laughs) I don't know. You you have to roll with it. I don't even know. (laughs) There's a lot of things that just don't add up if you start thinking about it. But, you know, Goldfinger, he basically kind of gets away and, you know, he's he says, yeah, I'm going to, you know, go off to wherever and I'll have to figure this out. Pile of gold. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because where is he keeping all the like he's probably got like, let's say, three or four hundred tons of gold somewhere. Hmm. Probably in Switzerland because Switzerland don't care. Gotta be, gotta be, yeah. Switzerland's like we're cool. Yeah, exactly. It's like it doesn't matter if this was stolen gold from the from you know from the Jewish folks by the Nazis. Mm-hmm. We ask no questions yeah, here. You can, you can store it here. It's cool, man. We're neutral. Dirty. Break you off a piece of that sweet Swiss neutrality. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so you know that's that's the end of it. Like James Bond and uh, Pussy Galore, they end up in a craft of some sort and. And they have this, uh, I think, do they fall out of it or do they jump out of it? Goldfinger shows up and attempts to kidnap James Bond or Ah. shoot him. He holds a gun on him. We've discussed earlier in the movie that that's not exactly um, a wise thing to do, even though it won't kill you the way that it's portrayed in the the film. It's still not smart. And so... um, Bond and Goldfinger struggle. Uh, Goldfinger shoots out one of the windows and then gets sucked out. Yeah. Um, and Pussy Galore and James Bond end up bailing out, and they're in, they're in presumably a, an island off of South Carolina yes. and <clears throat> about to have sex. Exactly. As, as so as, many James Bond movies. As ends. the parachute, like, envelops them. Sweet silk parachute, man. Yeah. Yes. Your passions are inflamed. Silk against your skin? Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Yeah. I feel you. After a near-death experience, it's called the death horniness. <laughs> yes, it is. Bond gets a lot of his action from death horniness. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's Goldfinger. Yeah. it's This may come as a shock. This is not my favorite James Bond movie. I don't really like it very much. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I told you, man, like... First time we tried to record this, I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. When I tried to watch it earlier today, I fell asleep as well. <laughs> and then I woke up and I was like, "I got to power through this for this podcast." It's a very gradual movie. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's 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 slow, but you know, I think once I got into it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And and then the Goldfinger twist, where it's like, "Oh, you know, he's going to like basically irradiate the gold." I was like, "Oh man, okay, this is things are popping here." So it was enjoyable on the overall. As, as a piece of entertainment. Yeah. It's it's definitely got a certain something. My favorite of the Sean Connery movies is From Russia With Love. Mm. Um, I think that one's the best out of the ones that he did. But I was more of a Roger Moore man. 
yeah. owing largely to the fact that that I was born during his tenure of James Bond, and that's the first one I ever saw. So that kind of set the standard in my mind of, oh, it's this super old dude who mm-hmm. kind of runs weird and doesn't really get into all that many fights. Oh, that's my, my wife, too. She was like, I'm more of a Roger Moore fan myself. So Yeah, so to this day, I watch Roger Moore movies way more. Like around Christmas time, I'll be in the mood for James Bond movies because they used to do that 13 Days of 007 on TBS. Oh, interesting. Like a, I remember this now. Yeah, two-week-long marathon of nothing but James Bond movies, and so I would watch that in college and you know after college. Um, but so I'll get in the mood to watch James Bond movies, and I'll do more Timothy Dalton than Roger Moore, but... I'll hmm. throw on, you know, the occasional Sean Connery one in that. Okay. But almost never Goldfinger. Yeah. Because it's, it's almost, it, it's not amazing, but it's almost too good, if that makes any sense. Because it's, it's just, it's a good movie. Most mm-hmm. of the other movies aren't good, but they have something about them that yeah. can kind of grab your attention. Um, just because of all the weirdness that develops as the movies go on. Exactly. Um, Goldfinger just, just kind of plugs along. Mm-hmm. Things are outlandish but somewhat believable. Yeah. And Sean Connery's still seems to be enjoying himself. This is one of yeah. the last movies where he's actually obviously enjoying himself as James Bond. Right. So he's having fun with the role. Um, Wait, so he got surly later. Yeah. Interesting. But So it's kind of fun to watch him obviously be ready to punch the clock at the end of the oh, day. Yeah. He, he, he was he was smirking this whole movie. He loved yeah. it. Diamonds are forever. You just you can tell he's just looking at his watch every moment, just waiting for the shot to be done with so he can go home. Yeah, so he could later be in a and finding Forrester. Finding Forrester is not bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, it was okay. Oh and no, no, The Rock I, is still the greatest uh, post Bond movie that he ever did. But I was yelling out, "You're the man now, dog." For at least a year after I watched that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Sean Connery saying that classic. Whoever whoever convinced him to do that deserved whatever bonus they got for it. Mr. Connery, we just needed to do one take of this. And YTMND.com, that was... I remember that, that, that recently came back. Is that that's a going concern? Again? Yeah, it's back. It's back. Okay. Uh, interesting to note, Sean Connery was 33, 34 years old when this was made. Really? Yeah. That, he does not look... Everyone no. looks older back in those days when everyone was drinking and smoking all the time, but he does not look like he's in his early 30s. No, no. I, I, well, I, I thought he was younger. Oh, really? Yes, yes. I, I thought he looked older myself. Oh, interesting. No, I was like, this is a 20-year-old dude. He's out here parachuting and, like, you know... Getting with ladies and getting all sorts of like Swiss, you know, Swiss Alps hijinks, stuff like that. You know, it was it was a job for a man in his thirties, apparently. Interesting. All right. (laughs) So he was a grown ass man when this happened. Oh yeah. All right. Very well. He had no excuse. No. We have a question we need to answer. Okay. How do we rank this movie? We've seen it. Mm. We can't unsee it. Mm. Where does this movie sit in the pop cultural conversation? Now, what are our four categories? Okay, let me think. <laughs> we have Regrettable Dalliance. Yes. At the very bottom, Regrettable Dalliance. We have Atari Lynx. Which is underappreciated. Yes. We have Beige Carpet. Oh, yeah, yeah, Beige Carpet. Right, right, right. And then we have Cultural Touchstone. Okay, Cultural Touchstone. So, so. so it's, it's Regrettable Dalliance, Beige Carpet... 
Atari Lynx, and then Cultural Touchstone. Yes. So which of these four categories does 1964's Goldfinger fall into for you? I'm going to go Beige Carpet. Beige Carpet. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I am going to call this a Cultural Touchstone. But again, I don't love it. Okay. But I have to acknowledge that it is a Cultural Touchstone because it shaped everything spy-related that came after it. Okay, you know so what? I'm, re- I'm, revising, it, I'm revising my rating. It is a cultural touchstone. Yeah, if we're just going by the movie. Okay. If we're just going by the movie, I would call the movie a beige carpet. Yeah. 100%. But for the fact that you can watch Goldfinger and better understand everything spy-related that has came after it. And also the game Spy Hunter. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see all of the tendrils that spread out from Goldfinger into popular culture. Right. Because of that, I got to call it a cultural touchstone. It is. It is. It is. All right. So we have done it. We have codified Goldfinger as a certified stamped cultural touchstone. Correct. What do we do next? Hmm. I think next. Now I'm 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 torn. I'll give I'll give you a choice. Really? Would do you want something that you can watch or something you can listen to? Give me something I can listen to. Dr. Dre, nineteen ninety two, The Chronic. Okay. Mm-hmm. This could be interesting. Make it happen, bro. This could be good. This could smash me across the rocks like last year's lobster pie. <laughs> We will just have to see. But until next time. I don't remember what I've said before. Oh, I think, I don't know. I'll just say peace as usual. Thank you for listening. All right. Peace out. (laughs) (laughs) Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately.